Before we're seated tonight, I want to read just for a brief moment from Acts chapter 5 and verses 38 through 42. Now I want you to bear with me tonight. Being that it's Wednesday night, I'm going to try to do somewhat of a study and somewhat of a, a teach, if you will. But we're going to see how long that lasts and how good that goes. I'm hoping that I can do this a lot better than singing back there. They say make a joyful noise, but I guess that is all dependent upon who is listening to that joyful noise. But tonight I want to read from you in Acts chapter 5 and verses 38 through 42. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it. Least happily ye be found even to fight against God. And to him they agreed. And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not, everybody say they ceased not, to teach and preach Jesus Christ. For just a few moments tonight, I want to teach, I want to teach, preach, whatever the Lord leads on the subject tonight. Can I suffer shame? Can I suffer shame? God, I thank you tonight for the presence that we feel in this place. I thank you, God, for what you're doing. I thank you, God, for what we already feel manifesting in this place, God. Lord, I love you tonight, and I, I thank you for what you're going to do. I pray, God, that you allow our ears to be open to hear your word. God, deepen my understanding in your word tonight. I pray your perfect will be done. Nothing more and nothing less, but God, let your presence, let your presence infiltrate this place tonight and touch every heart, mind, and soul in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. As I begin to study this in the book of Acts, I come, again, I come across a lot of Peter's history in these past uh, chapters, in these past books. And I begin to study throughout the book of Matthew, uh, the book of Luke, some and Mark. And I find that Peter's history is very prevalent, but more so it is outlined, if you will, with six particular highlights in his walk with God or his ministry, if you want to call it that. But it was his walk with God and these six apostolic points that changed his course of direction forever. Matthew chapter 4, you will find that Peter answered the call of Jesus whenever Jesus walked on the shore and saw him reeling in his nets and he said, you are... A fisherman, but if you will lay down everything and if you will follow me, I will make you a fisher of men. In Matthew chapter 14, we see that Peter is walking in the midst of a troubled storm in the middle of seas 
all around him. And although he sinks, Jesus lends a hand and picks him up in the middle of the storm. It is in Matthew chapter 17 that we see Peter was part of only three other men that saw the great transfiguration of Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 16, we see that Peter was rebuked by Jesus. And in chapter 26 of Matthew, we see that Peter denied Jesus three times at his crucifixion. In Acts chapter 2, as we all know and as we have all read or been taught for so many years, as the day of Pentecost was fully come, Peter got behind a pulpit, if you will, and began to preach and teach this apostolic doctrine that we carry today. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. And he began to teach and to preach to all that would listen. I believe that these six points and these six moments in Peter's life were not only mere moments that led him to different things in his life, but I believe, as I said earlier, that they were six key components, apostolic points, if you will, pivotal points in his walk with God that allowed him to establish a relationship with Jesus Christ. These were not just simple moments, simple walks with Jesus, but each and every one had a particular key as they, as they made foundational relationship building moments in Peter's life. In Matthew chapter 4, he answers the call. In chapter 14, he learned to trust Jesus in the midst of the storm. In chapter 17, he, he understands that he, he, uh, he needs Jesus more and more and more. And he has a deeper understanding of who Jesus is. In chapter 16, he understands the subjection of his flesh under the Spirit as Jesus rebukes him. In Matthew chapter 26, we find that... It was the words of Jesus that are forever settled and what he says will come to pass. And in Acts chapter 2, Peter understood the importance of preaching the gospel message. And even so as to say, it is to as many as the Lord our God shall call. The very relationship that he had already established in these past chapters and verses, it was the exact relationship that caused him to be in the pickle that we find him in in Acts chapter 5 from our text. You see, because after this incident with Ananias and Sapphira, people began to enthrone Peter and the other apostles. People began to come around him and, and he was in such great demand that even though to say that some of the people would begin to lay the sick and the lame in the streets, in their beds, even when they were crippled, and it says even in their couches, and as Peter would walk by, they would be healed miraculously by just the passing of his shadow beside them. It was this very relationship that allowed him to have such great dominion over this area. It wasn't because of who Peter was. It wasn't because of anything that he did other than because he carried what was called a relationship with his Savior. It wasn't anything that he was. It wasn't who he was. It wasn't his last name or it wasn't his it, because of he was popular or his popularity, but it was because of his relationship with Jesus Christ that had been established in the beginning. 
Even through Peter's ups and through Peter's downs, there was something that he learned. There was something that he gained. There was something that he obtained in his spirit. Even in the midst of almost drowning in catastrophic storms, as Jesus picks him up, he learned that even in the midst of his trouble and even in the midst of his failing to trust in Jesus, he remembered that I can trust Jesus in the middle of a storm. Even in his, even in his mess up of denying Christ three different times, at the crucifixion, he understood and he realized, as the Bible tells us, he wept. He wept violently, it says he wept. And he understood that when Jesus says something, that it will come to pass. Even in the midst of all of his troubles, one could say that answering the call was probably the greatest thing that Peter ever did. That he made so many mistakes and so many blunders and so many mess ups that... The mere answer of the call was one of the greatest things that he ever did. But can I tell you tonight that it doesn't matter the mistakes. And I know it seems such cliche and it seems so elementary tonight. But can I remind you that it doesn't matter the mistakes that you've made. It doesn't matter the things that you faced. It doesn't matter the problems that you come up against every single day and you think that you've got it beat and you put it behind you and the next day that you go, you face the same thing and you face the same thing and you face it again and again and again and, and here I am struggling thinking that my relationship with God is suffering because of all these storms that I'm in. Some unbeknowing to me are, are not my fault and not, nothing that I can do to change it and my relationship with God is beginning to suffer and struggle. But can I remind you of the Apostle Peter who went through so many storms and trials and tribulations. But here is a man that in the end time in Acts, in the book of Acts he was preaching and teaching this gospel. And the same man that had denied Christ and the same man that had, had less faith in Jesus and began to sink to the bottom of the ocean. It was this man that was preaching and they were bringing the lame and the halt and the and those that were broken just so that his shadow could pass over. As I stated, it wasn't because of who he was, but it was because he allowed his circumstances and his troubles and his issues not to restrain him or detain his spirit, but he allowed it to teach him something that in the midst of everything, there is something I can learn about my relationship with Jesus Christ. About my relationship with Jesus Christ. And so as a result of the people surrounding him and thronging him and coming to him after Hananias and Sapphira, it was after all of this that people began to come to him and, and there were great crowds of people, it says. And, and as, as it's so funny to me that his relationship attracted so many things. It not only attracted people that were in need, people that were hurting and broken, and people that were in desolate places in their life, but his relationship causes an attraction to the enemy. And now we find that the enemy, because of, of Peter's relationship and because of what he has allowed his relationship with Christ to do, or what it hasn't done, it hasn't restrained him, it hasn't detained him, but it has set him free from his bondage, it set him free from his sins. And as a result of that, we find that he was then cast into a prison for preaching the gospel. So after we find that he's cast into a prison, an angel comes and releases him and the other apostles. 
And I can imagine being in Peter's shoes and preaching the gospel and, and all of a sudden I'm preaching and teaching when doing what I think is right and then all of a sudden I'm in a prison. I'm in the middle of something that I can't control, that I can't overcome it seems. And as then it, out of nowhere it seems as an angel appears and completely restores back to me everything that I once was and everything that I had. And it was because of that angel that he was able to go back into the streets and he didn't waste any time but he began begin to preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ again. I hope that I can have that kind of attitude. I hope that I personally can have that kind of submission to the Spirit that says even though I may be detained now and I can't witness to anybody now in my physical condition, just wait until I'm released. Just wait until my time comes. Just wait until I'm able to and I'll do it with everything that I had. He wasted no time preaching and teaching the gospel. After he was released by an angel, it was just a couple of verses later that he was brought back into Gamaliel's council. And there we find that he was beaten and kicked and bruised, prod and broke, all for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can imagine with every punch, I can imagine with every kick, I can imagine with every fist that came down and blow to the, to the back of his head as he was on the ground. I can imagine as this was transpiring, he was having flashbacks of him and Jesus sitting on the side of a boat somewhere, just visiting and talking. And in those moments, he understood, this is what Jesus was preparing me for. It's my relationship that I built with him. This is what he was telling me about. This is what he was sharing with me. This is why he kept me I can imagine all the times and Peter was reminiscing through his mind while all of this was going on and he began to think of all the times that he allowed his anger to get the best of him every time that his trust or faith in Jesus failed every time that he made a mistake yet Jesus was there to pick him up every time Jesus was there to put his arm around him and say here let me tell you a better way to go about that here I'm here to help you I'm here to counsel you I'm here to give you peace. I'm here to show you that I am the way. I am the truth. I'm here to tell you that there is a better way. And as he is beaten and as he is bruised and near broken, he can think about the crucifixion and he thinks about the time that Jesus hung on a cross and was beaten and bruised and he was prodded and he was broken and he had a crown of thorns on his head and maybe he reminisced as he watched the blood flow from the master's fingers bleeding and broken and hurting as nail scarred hands began to swell and as he began to gasp for his last breath he began to realize something greater that he went through this very same thing for me that he was broken for me that he was bruised for me, that his blood ran down the cross on Calvary for me, that he lived this life for me. And so then that gave Peter, listen to me, that gave Peter the ability to stand up in the face of adversity and say that I will rejoice that I was counted worthy to suffer shame for the name of Jesus Christ. And I rejoice that I was counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. I want that kind of relationship. I want whatever Peter had 
I want whatever he obtained in them years with walking with Jesus and the moments that they began to talk to each other and no matter if God if you have to bring me to the middle of a sea and allow me to drown and pick me back up for my relationship to be that strong in you God then do it if you have to lock me up in a prison somewhere God and release me by faith just for my relationship with you to build and to grow God then do it I don't ever want to pray a prayer of bless me bless me bless me but God don't break me God whatever it takes let it happen whatever I have to do or whatever you have to do to me I pray God that it be done so that my relationship can say that I rejoice that I am counted worthy to suffer shame for the name of Jesus no matter what comes my way No matter what mainstream media tells me about my faith. No matter what my peers may say or ridicule me about running the aisles and speaking in tongues and lifting my hands and worship and praise. Hear me young people. It doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter what we face. But we must be rejoicing and we must count it worthy. We must count it worthy to suffer shame for the name of Jesus Christ. Whatever it takes. I looked in the mirror before I left out of the house this morning. And to you it may seem silly. And I began to look at myself and I said, Can you really look at yourself and say today that you would be able to suffer shame? Can you really leave this house? Can you really leave this house? Can you leave your family at this house as you go to work? And can you honestly tell me that you could suffer shame? That you would count it worthy? That you wouldn't look to me and ask, why did you do this to me? Why did you allow me to go through that? I don't deserve that. Can you really look in the mirror and say, but God, I count it worthy. I count it worthy to suffer shame for your name and be prepared that whatever comes. My, I'm not teaching doom and gloom tonight, but I'm teaching about a relationship that must be established. I need my relationship deepened. I need my relationship strengthened that says whatever comes my way, nothing will waver. Nothing will cause me to waver in the kingdom of God. No matter what I face in this battle of standing for truth, I rejoice. I rejoice. I rejoice. Can I honestly say that I personally, me, that I have established that kind of relationship with God? No. I'll be honest with you. No, I don't know. I don't know. But I want it. But I want it. I want that relationship with Him that says, God, no matter what, I trust You. Can I leave my boat? And can I leave everything behind? All of that behind me. What causes me to make a living and what causes me to feed my family, that boat and those nets and all of those fish, can I just leave that aside? And can I take up my cross and follow you? Can I count it, can I be counted worthy to suffer shame for your name, God? Can I do that? Can I honestly say in all my years of living 
And elders, I please don't think that I'm saying you have not built a relationship. I'm thankful for the, for the, for the altars that you have built for this generation to follow. I am so thankful for everything that you've done. Please don't misread me tonight. But if you have established a relationship, then that relationship, my prayer is that it goes deeper and deeper and deeper as roots of an old oak tree, that it just begins to grow and grow and grow. That no matter the wind and no matter the waves and no matter anything that comes against it, that it shall not be moved. Whatever Peter got a hold of, in his walk with Jesus, I want that. Whatever it is that he got a hold of, whatever it is that he grabbed a hold of, I want that. My prayer this past week, and although it seems very, when I began to think about it, it was kind of weird for a moment. It was weird to pray it. It was different. But I said, God, I don't want any more miracles. God, I don't, I don't want any more financial blessings. I, I don't want any more things. I don't want a physical healing. I don't want, God, I don't want anything else. But God, all I want is you. All I want is more of you. Because God, if I can find more of you... If I can find you, if I can find your flow, if I can find where you are, if I can touch the hem of your garment, God, there miracles will be. There financial blessings will be. There there will be my promises. There will be my fulfillments. I'm not looking for more preaching opportunities. I'm not looking for anything else other than Him. I'm not looking for anything else other than more of Him. I need more of Him. God, let my relationship, my prayer was, let my relationship with You be forged in an all-consuming fire of the Holy Ghost. That I cannot waver, that I will not be moved by statistics, that my family and I will not be moved or wavered or even challenged by social agendas that, or political agendas or anything else that this world has to offer that we can be so steadfast and that we can be firm and rooted in our relationship with Christ that says no matter what comes my way that I will count it and I will rejoice to be counted worthy for such a thing as this. Let me walk with you daily. I don't know about you, but I need Him more than just on Sundays. I need Him more than just on Wednesday nights. I need Him more than just on Monday night prayer, Monday night Bible study. I'm so thankful for all of those moments and the wonderful encounters that we have been having in the presence of God these last several services. I can just, I can just bask in His presence and as. He just overtakes and overflows and just moves through the congregation. And as people begin to weep under the unction of the Holy Ghost, I'm so thankful for all of that. 
But God, don't let my relationships stay at the altar on Sunday as I go to work on Monday. But God, let my relationship be steadfast, God. That Lord, no matter where I go and no matter what I do, that I do it to serve the kingdom. That I do it in hopes that it will please you. That God, no matter what I do and no matter where I go, that my relationship with you comes to the forefront. I need that kind of relationship. I need that kind of relationship with Him. I need that kind of relationship with Him. Oh God, I need it. I need that kind of relationship with You. Oh God, I need it. I need it more than my daily breath. More than the food that I eat. More than anything in my life. More than anything that I face in my physical body, God. My relationship with you must not suffer. My relationship with you must not suffer. I'm getting ready to close tonight if the musicians will come. I told you that I wouldn't last a very long time. And I'm not going to lie behind the pulpit. Mercy. The beautiful thing about all of this is perhaps not Peter proclaiming the statement that I rejoice that I'm counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. That, that's good and that preaches a good point. But possibly the greatest part about this whole thing is the rest of Peter's story as his relationship and the effects of it ripple throughout the rest of the chapters of Acts. In Acts chapter 10, we find a familiar story with Cornelius. We find that he was searching for more, that he was a good man, he was a just man, an upright man, but yet he did not have truth. That it was not yet given to this group of people that he was searching for something more, that he was hungry for something more, that he was desperate, longing, and thirsty for something more than what he had. And because of Peter's unorthodox relationship with God, because of Peter's unwavering relationship and unorthodox ways, of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. It caused an unorthodox outcome. As Peter is led by a vision by other men to the house of Cornelius, and he begins to preach the message to the Gentile nation. You see, I think the most beautiful thing about it all is that our relationship, that my relationship with God, that my relationship with the Savior, that my relationship with Him, it not only affects me, it not only affects who I am, it not only affects how I worship, it not only affects how I praise, it not only affects my living for God, but my relationship nations are depending 
on my relationship with God. There are worlds that are depending on my relationship with the Savior. Just as the Gentile nation received it for the first time because of an unorthodox relationship. Because of a relationship that was planted and rooted firmly in the doctrine and in God we serve and and in the apostolic doctrine what we preach. Because of that relationship, lives were changed for generations and generations and generations. And now because of that we preach this apostolic doctrine. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful. I'm thankful for Peter's relationship with God. I'm thankful for his firm-rooted foundation in what we believe and what we know as the apostolic doctrine. I'm thankful that he never let anything waver him. I'm thankful that he never let anything cause him to stumble. I'm thankful that he rejoiced to suffer shame. I'm so thankful. Can I tell you tonight that your relationship can affect your family? Can I tell you tonight that your relationship with God, that miracle that maybe you have been promised, that miracle that maybe God has offered to you or told you or that promise that He has led you to, can I tell you that maybe, just maybe, it's all hanging on our ability to establish a firm foundation and relationship with Jesus Christ. I need Him more. Yeah, I know who He is. I I understand everything that He's done for me. I know, I know who He is and I I know that He died for me on the cross and I know He rose again and I know all of that and I understand it and agree with it but God, I can't let my relationship with You stop there. But God, let it come to a personal level that I say, I need You. I need You. I need that relationship with You I need that relationship with you because my neighbor down the street may be depending on it. I need that relationship with you because third world countries may be depending on it. I need a relationship with you, God, because my children are depending on it. I need that relationship with you, God, because my family members that are lost are depending on it. Everybody will stand this evening. I urge you to ask the question that I've asked myself all this week. Do I have that kind of relationship that says I rejoice in suffering? Do I have that relationship where I can stand in the midst of adversity? As Peter wiped the blood from his mouth and began to doctor the bruising on his face, says it's okay. Because I count it worthy. Oh, that I can suffer shame. That type of relationship can move a mountain. It changes hearts and it changes minds. I want to read just a few short verses from, from the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verses 24 and 25. 
Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes tonight. Whatever it takes for me to make sure these altars are open tonight. I urge you tonight. Please come. Please come and feel after the relationship that you have established with the King of Kings. 